Amen. Thank you. Thank you, Darla. The soul of Christmas is liberty. You know, liberty is not one of those words that we use very often. But when I hear the word liberty, I, I think of those words from the Declaration of Independence. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Uh, and I think about those famous men from our history like Jefferson and Benjamin Franklin and even Patrick Henry who said, Give me liberty or give me death. So when I hear the word liberty, there's, there's something grandiose about the word. Something that kind of wells up within me. Kind of uh, a, a sense of, almost a sense of pride or excitement or, or joy. This idea of liberty. The soul of Christmas is liberty. A sense of freedom. We all have that yearning, that desire for freedom inside of us. And here in Isaiah, Isaiah is speaking to this idea of liberty. This joy of being free. This excitement of being free. And our text this morning from Isaiah 61, it's part of a a longer poem that begins in Isaiah chapter 60. And it goes Isaiah 60, 61, and 62. So we have these three chapters, this kind of great hymn or a poem that is comp- uh, comprised there. But back in Isaiah 60, just to get a, a little context, in Isaiah 60, uh, there's this great hymn, and, and God is speaking, and, and it talks about how God is the light of the world, and that, that God's light is coming to the world, and there's this great image of God's light in the world. And, and God speaks of a future where there will be abundance and rejoicing. And in fact, there's this curious part of Isaiah 60 that that speaks of wealth pouring back into Israel from other nations with this image of wealth coming back into Israel and that non-Jews will actually bring this wealth into Israel. And it says, The wealth of the nations shall come to you. And then Isaiah goes on to talk about how that wealth will come into Israel. It says, A multitude of camels shall cover you, and they shall bring gold and frankincense, and shall proclaim the praise of the Lord. Isn't that curious? Isn't that interesting? And Isaiah ends with these beautiful words about the glory of God shining in such a way that we will no longer need the the sun by day or the moon by night or the stars uh, to light our way because God's light will shine. And then the text shifts a little bit in Isaiah 61. The tone of it shifts. In Isaiah 60, God is the one who is going to come and bring hope and joy. But here in the beginning of Isaiah 61, it shifts to someone else, a human person who will be anointed and authorized by God to bring about the kingdom. So let's read it again as Isaiah 61 starts out. It says this, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me. He has sent me to bring good news, good news, the gospel to the oppressed, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and to release the prisoners. So this anointed one of God 
will come to bring good news, bind up the brokenhearted, proclaim liberty, release prisoners. I don't know about you, but I like that. That is a great statement, a great future hope that Isaiah is proclaiming there. Isaiah is proclaiming this great prophecy to the people of God who are enslaved. They're enslaved by foreign nations. They're enslaved to sin. They're enslaved to doubt. They're enslaved by poverty. And he's giving them a promise of one who is to come and give liberty and freedom. This person will be anointed by the very Spirit of God. Where else do we read these words in the Bible? Do you remember? Do you remember the story? We find them in the Gospel of Luke. When Jesus, it says, is going to Nazareth, his hometown. And he goes into the synagogue there. And, and, and because he's been the wandering prophet who comes in, he's given the privilege of reading the scripture for the morning. And he gets up, not behind a podium, but he gets up and he, and he takes the scrolls that they would have there in the synagogue. And he takes Isaiah's scroll, the second scroll of Isaiah. And he unrolls it to this place. In Isaiah 61. And he begins to read these words again. The spirit of the Lord God is upon me. Because the Lord has anointed me. He has sent me to bring good news to the oppressed. To bind up the brokenhearted, To proclaim liberty to the captives. And release to the prisoners. And then Jesus rolls the scroll back up. Puts it back. He stands there for a moment. And what does he say? Today. Today, the scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Wow. Now, how did the crowd react to that statement? Did it fill them with joy? No, not at all. Rather, it filled them with anger and with rage. In fact, it made them so mad they wanted to kill Jesus that he had the audacity to say that he fulfilled that. They couldn't handle this good news. Sometimes we're so blinded to the good news that is around us that we get so caught up in ourselves and our own problems that we neglect to see the joy that is around us. The soul of Christmas is liberty. We, we complain about our so-called problems in the world and we miss out on the promise of freedom. We have been set free. We have been given liberty. The Apostle Peter also reminds us of this freedom. We read in 1 Peter chapter 1, 18 and following these words. For you know that God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors. And the ransom he paid was not mere gold or silver. It was the precious blood of Christ. The sinless, spotless Lamb of God. God chose Him as your ransom long before the world began. But as He has now revealed Him to you in these last days, through Christ you have come to trust in God. And you have placed your faith and hope in God because He raised Christ from the dead and gave Him great glory. You were cleansed from your sins when you obeyed the truth. So now you must show sincere love to each other as brothers and sisters. Love each other deeply with all your heart. For you have been born again. 
but not to a life that will quickly end. Your new life will last, what's the word? Forever. Because it comes from the eternal living word of God. This liberty that we have is priceless. It is the priceless gift of God. This is a hard-fought liberty. All other gifts of the season pale in comparison to the ransom that God paid through Jesus for our salvation. But too often we miss the importance of it. The promises from God and, and focus on everything else but the joy of God's salvation. But let's look again at what Isaiah tells us. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My whole being shall exult in my God for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with a, a robe of righteousness as a bridegroom decks himself with a garland and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. For as the earth brings forth its shoots and as a garden causes what is sown in it to spring up, so the Lord God will cause righteousness and praise to spring up before all the nations. I will greatly rejoice. And in this poem is a, a beautiful description of the gospel message. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My whole being shall exalt in my God, for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. Do you see it? Isaiah is reminding us that we should rejoice. Why? Because he has clothed us in garments of salvation. He has set us free. We rejoice because we have been saved. We are no longer slaves to sin. We are no longer slaves to the world. We have a future hope and a promise of salvation. But our salvation, not just in the future, but it begins now. And even that uh, freedom from sin begins now. And that should outshine any situation, problem, struggle that we face. Too often we, we focus on the struggle and not the salvation. Let's focus on the joy of the salvation. I will rejoice because God has clothed me with salvation. And then he compares this salvation to a bride and groom getting married. The joy of the day, the glory of, all, of it all, everyone decked out in their best and their finest, the bride looking beautiful in the wedding dress and adorned with jewels. That's what this salvation is compared to. Unfortunately, too many of us have seen weddings that end in divorce and broken promises. So again, our focus goes from a thing of beauty and rejoicing to mourning and weeping. But God wants to, to cut through those wrong images and attitudes and desires for us to have faith in who he is. That he is a God of promise, a God of salvation. And that indeed one day the Lord will cause righteousness and praise to spring up before all the nations. Every knee will bow. If we are to restore the soul of Christmas, then this is our focus. Our focus is on the freedom. Our focus is on liberty that God has given us. We really don't need any other presents this season. All the rest of it is icing on the cake. Our joy is in God's salvation. In this we should rejoice. Joy. It is an elusive quality in our world, isn't it? But on this third Sunday of Advent... A the day we call Gaudete 
Sunday. Latin for rejoice. And if you notice, we, we lit the pink candle right on the third Sunday of Advent. Uh, in many traditions, it is pink. It's an old tradition that started in the church around the 5th century, I believe. The Pope, on the third Sunday, would hand out a pink rose to someone in the crowd. And it was a sign of rejoicing. And so on this third Sunday of Advent, as we lit the pink candle, there's nothing more joyous than pink, especially when it comes to little girls. We rejoice. We rejoice. In spite of everything else that is going on, we rejoice. We have been set free. We have liberty. So how about you? Have you been set free? Do you have liberty? Can you rejoice in the Lord always? Let us pray.